0: Bits and Bricks. Welcome to Bits and Bricks, a podcast about all things LEGO games. I'm Ethan Vincent. And I'm Brian Crescenti. Together, we look back at
1: the rich 25 year history of LEGO games, chat with early developers and seasoned studios who have all tackled the creation of video games for one of the most popular and respected toy companies in the world, the LEGO Group. Scorpion-throwing mummy queens, hot dog suit-wearing pirates, intergalactic girls, super wrestlers, LEGO Brawls is a minifigure lover's
0: dream, packed with the sort of mashups that would take a crate of blind bags to recreate. It also has this crazy mix of settings pulled from a bunch of fan-favorite LEGO themes like Jurassic Park, Pirates, Ninjago, and Blacktron. And then you kind of put all that together with this sort of King of the Hill battle between two online
1: teams, and you're left with a pretty quirky and fun Apple Arcade game.
0: In this week's episode of Bits and Bricks, we talk with Red Games Co., the Salt Lake City, Utah-based developer behind the minifig brawler LEGO Brawls. I had a chance to visit the studio and get a behind-the-scenes tour of where the game creation and ongoing support happens. Uh, I also had a chance to chat with some of the team members about their workspace, how the studio was formed, and their early endeavors in gaming. I'm so jealous. It sounds like it was
1: a fun place to visit, and who knows, maybe, maybe one day I'll get to visit it. Yes, you will. (laughs) Fortunately, I was able to at least chat with Jared Croft, who's the executive creative director at Red Games, about the game's inception and find out some surprising information about how LEGO Brawls started life as a mobile phone side-scrolling racer, its Nintendo-inspired evolution, and how the game continues to get such robust support. Now let's have a listen. How was it that uh, Red Games somehow got in contact with the Lego group and started working with them?
2: Yeah, so we were in contact with the Lego group for several years about different projects. Um, and we have a history of having done some projects that used the Lego brand in the past. It was many years ago that we did kind of like a uh, an interactive website um, through LucasArts. Uh, for one of the Lego Star Wars console titles, oh, right. uh, which was technically a marketing website, but it was an interactive kind of multiplayer experience that actually was kind of like a precursor to some of the gameplay for Lego Brawls. And so we, kind of, we had some interactions with the brand and we had some contacts there that we met at conferences and stuff like that. And we just kind of talked over over the years and eventually kind of the right opportunity came up where the Lego group was reaching out to a small group of studios to kind of pitch creative original ideas for LEGO games. And so we were able to meet with a group of them at the toy fair out in in New York. Um, And they kind of told us what they were looking for, and and that kind of led to the opportunity that became LEGO Brawls. So that initial meeting or that idea that they were looking for
1: some pitches, did they have any sort of specifications in terms of what sort of games they were looking for for, for people to pitch to them.
2: So it was, it was actually a really awesome opportunity in, in the way that they set the whole thing up that they basically said, you know if you could build any game like if there were no restrictions, just just use a studio, if you could build any game, tell us what that game would be and then you know we can figure out how it can become a Lego brand thing. And when you think about it, that's like the most like Lego group proposition ever to basically say, if you could build anything, what would it be? You know, (laughs) and so they kind of put that to us and and it started this process and they were really smart about the way they set up kind of like the prototyping to kind of prove out the concepts and kind of narrow them down to which concepts would be the most um, successful. And so we were really appreciative of that, of that kind of rare opportunity to just kind of pitch whatever our dream project would be. so what was that initial pitch and
1: and and what was sort of the core conceit behind it?
2: Yeah. so you know we put together a, a couple of ideas for them, but this one was was definitely the front runner. and it kind of started out as not not an endless runner but a side-scrolling competitive runner. So probably the best reference on mobile would be fun run oh. if you're familiar with that yeah, game. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're on to like Fun Run 3 now, you know? It's just a huge franchise. You know, it's a really, really successful and kind of like fun game. Uh, but we were referencing also kind of like Jetpack Joyride as far as just kind of like one touch, like simple gameplay, yeah. with the idea being that kind of like Jetpack Joyride, how you can get in these different types of current contraptions that kind of change your controls a little bit, but also change your abilities. We were like, well, that's perfect because you can just like build anything out of bricks. So maybe I collect some Lego bricks and then I can build a power up and then that gives me an edge. And the original concept was kind of like a kind of like a race, um kind of like again you know, like a side scroller runner where you're kind of trying to start at the beginning and make it to the end. But we also referenced a title that was on like one of the Nintendo DS Mario games. I remember playing it on the the original Nintendo DS, which like at the time was such a great device yeah. and at the time was extremely novel. on me and my partner Adam here at the studio used to, we would we would be on trips, you know, on a, on a plane ride and the Nintendo DS had just come out and we would be playing Mario versus Luigi, which we just literally, um, it was like a mini game included with like new Super Mario Bros on the DS. And you just play like normal Mario, but it's like versus each other and you're trying to collect stars, but you can use your power-ups, your fireballs and, and superstars and stuff like that to eliminate the other player and they drop a star and then you try to pick up their stars and the per- first person to five stars wins. And we just love that game. I and mean, we were, we were, you know, grown adults on the airplane and sometimes we wouldn't be sitting next to each other. And at the time, like the, the concept of playing an online game, like did, definitely didn't exist right, right. on an airplane. Yeah. And even the idea of an ad hoc Wi-Fi connecting two devices was pretty novel. And so I kind of, we would just look like these like, Man, children, you know, because we're just like in sitting next to strangers and just playing the DS and just like laughing like so hard, you know, because like something really funny would happen in the game. And so that that was a, that was something that we referenced in our pitch was we just loved kind of like that you could take these familiar Mario controls and just make a game where it's like, dude, let's just brawl it out, you know, and just battle over something, and it was a ton of fun and over the course of the development of the project the the concept started to lean more towards the Mario versus Luigi gameplay and we kind of left the jetpack joyride fun run um, concept behind, which is kind of a natural thing to, to happen. But it, it started out as kind of like fun run, and then it it turned into Mario versus Luigi over time. That's cool. So you're you send them this prototype. Uh,
1: what sort of impact does does their reaction to that, and I guess over time working with them, what sort of impact do they have on the game's final iteration?
2: You know, I, I, I'd have to say, you know, we work with a lot of awesome brands um, out there. You know some, some of the larger brands in the world, and they're all great. They're all great, but, but the LEGO Group really brings something unique to the table, and we're, they were really awesome to work with because they really do stand by that, that vision and that promise to kind of let us build what we think is going to be the most fun, but at the same time providing proper guidance for what would be appropriate for the LEGO brand so they give us a lot of flexibility, but they also give us a lot of guidance. Right. And what's interesting is that I found that they, they really just felt like they were just part of the team. And so rather than it being this formal process where we like, okay, like we did all this work and now we're submitting it and, you know, it has to get like approved or denied or like sent back or something like that, they were more just like in step with us. And so that kind of organic conversation we'd have with them. And they'd just be like, you know, I was playing the build and like, what about this idea? And they would present ideas that that would contribute and influence the game. It's, it's kind of interesting how I, I feel like in the end it not only made a better product, but it made a, a better Lego product and a more authentic product. Because there was a real collaboration, rather than kind of like a just like an approval or rejection, you know, process on on certain things. So we we'd go out and visit them in Denmark. They'd come out and visit us. We'd spend some time. We'd play the game together. Uh, we'd kind of like laugh, and they'd throw out ideas. We would throw out ideas. And uh, just just a really amazing group and an awesome experience. I, th- I think it lent itself to really good creativity.
1: It's interesting when we, when we talk at, on this podcast, we talk to people who work uh, with the Lego group or work at the Lego group on, on mm-hmm. Lego video games. There's often this discussion about making something that has sort of Lego DNA or that fits in mm-hmm. with the sort of ideals of the Lego group. When you were working on your game, how did you find that sort of sweet spot and and in your mind what makes it different than making some other brawler that just has a different IP? It's
2: interesting because you know if I go back and I look at the literally the original bullet points of what we sent over to them, we made mention of the kind of customizing your brawler as being, you know, part of the meta game, But at that time, it was probably just kind of like, yeah, you know, and it's Lego, so you'll collect stuff and customize your character. Right. But the minifig became the core of the game. And at some point early in development, we had this idea of, you know, a minifigure is for the most part made up of pants, a torso, and a head, you know? And if you only give me those three things to work with, I can click together you know, a bunch of different pants and norzels and heads and I can, I can make a unique character. And so we wanted to do something similar with your brawler design um, where you would have three power-ups that you could choose. So it gives you enough flexibility to build something unique but not so much that it's overwhelming. It's still as simple as just kind of clicking together a, a minifig. Um, and so you have a light, medium, and a heavy power-up and I combine those three things to have essentially a gameplay strategy or a play style or just a personality. And as we started to put that together, I feel like that's where the game really kind of found its soul um, and found that unique uh, Lego offering. We referenced, uh, we ended up with kind of a team-based gameplay where we're referencing uh, Overwatch, which is, Kind of awesome to like say, well, let's take what's fun about Overwatch and apply it to this like really simple side scroller. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but Overwatch is awesome because you have all these amazing heroes that you can master and learn how to you know counter them, but then also how to play with them. And um, and you know every game you might be playing with a different character, uh, and you might have your favorite because of a certain you know skill or ability or style that they have. And the idea was, well, what if you could take all of the Overwatch characters and pick your favorite abilities and attributes and put them together to make your own hero? And that was something that we thought was really Lego. And so we combined that with not only just customizing the way your minifig looked, but thinking them, they're not just a minifigure, they're a brawler. They're a Lego brawler. And so what's their personality? What do they look like? But then what's their style? What do they play like? What are their power-ups like? What are their abilities? And what's their play style? And, and let players you know, collect as much stuff as they can and come up with something that's truly them and, and truly unique. And I think, it's been, I think it's been a strength of the game. Yeah. How, so how long did you end up working on this? What was the development time for the game? So again, we built that prototype. you know, we worked on it for just like six weeks and that was which was an awesome like first step to take. And then we probably started development that fall, so um, fall of of 2018. And then it launched as an arcade title in September of 2019. And we worked on it that entire time. So kind of like core dev to launch was about a year more or less, which is, I don't know, in a way fast and in a way. It's low for us at the same time, um, but we've really never stopped development. You know, on on brawls, it's it's like launch was kind of just the beginning, and it's been pretty steady development since. I'm curious about Apple Arcade. Um,
1: it is, uh, it was, I think, either a launch title or very close to a launch title. How did Apple Arcade become sort of? A, a platform for this game. And, and once you knew it was going to be an Apple Arcade title, did that have any sort of impact on the game's design and and your, your plans for ongoing support?
2: Yeah, so we obviously had started discussion with the LEGO Group before Apple Arcade was announced. And so we had the idea for the game. We knew we were going to build the game. And when the arcade uh, showed up as a an option for the title it really was just kind of like the perfect home. It felt right because we were already leaning into this idea of a same-space multiplayer competitive game like Smash Bros, but on mobile where we're all holding our own device. And then with Apple Arcade, it added the ability to play on your Mac and also play on Apple TV, so we're like even better. And we just felt like we were, again, we just found the perfect home because we were already trying to create an experience that leveraged essentially the Apple platform for a really unique gameplay offering that that was console-like, um, but in that console that you already have in your pocket that you don't really think about. Um, and multiplayer was, was just a really, really big part of it. Um, but it did definitely influence, I think, the design because it allowed us to lean even more in that direction into kind of like a family-friendly Multiplayer experience, right, right, where the metagame didn't have to become um, maybe what it would have had to become had it been a, a free to play experience. Uh, you know, sometimes free to play is thought of as kind of like a dirty word, or it's like, oh, you know, it's like got all these like things, all these like in-app purchases and all these like grinding mechanics and things like that. You know, right. that that we kind of say is ruining video games. I guess some people say that, but at the same time. Players really have become accustomed to these types of metagames and kind of expect this type of like unlock system and for there just to be this endless trail of things to unlock. And especially kids today, just like mm-hmm. the way that they play games, it's just like the way they see the world, you know, is through I gotta level up my character and I gotta like collect all these different things. And it's kind of like what we expect in 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 video games. Right. And so we still ended up with, with a metagame that is like that, but it's one that is hopefully um, feels rewarding. Uh, and, and positive to players and maybe not quite as burdensome. Um, and certainly, you know, we were really behind what Apple was doing with the platform, which is uh, kind of pr- providing parents with a space that um, they, can, they can feel safe, you know, sending their kids there, knowing that there's no ads in the game, that there's no, you know, they're not going to like meet some stranger in the game. <laughs> you, right, you know, right. it's, a, it's a game that's not only safe, but it's, but it's quality, yeah. And and so that that it's just like that that soul is what really kind of like lined up with uh, our values already as a studio, and particularly you know partnering. You know, I think it lines up with the Lego Group's values as as a brand, and so all those things kind of just like came together to to just help Brawl's focus. I think in the right place.
1: All right, so I wanna I wanna pause here in my live my live interview yes. and uh, break the fourth wall so that we could talk very quickly about the fantastic minifig creation process in Brawl. It's so great. It is. So basically you can go in and you can choose a bunch of different elements. You could switch up headgear, the head, the body, the torso. Yeah. And you have to unlock all this stuff. And you can end up with crazy creations like I have one that I'm looking at right now where he has cat legs. He's wearing a slip, it sort of looks like. (laughs) He's got a baguette for a weapon. Uh, he's got a French mustache and, of course, is wearing bunny ears. Perfect. And and so, yeah, you just go in and you make create your own mashups. They're a lot of fun to do. Uh, you can also create their special abilities, and you go through and, and choose what those look like. Yep. Uh, and then finally, when you've done all of that, you then get to create the name of your character. Yes. And so the way this works is you have two different spots, two different sets of words and you—they're essentially randomized—and you just decide which two you want to use by choosing arrows. So let's do this. Let's—I'm—I'm uh, going to go ahead. I'm going through the first one right now. I'm tapping to the right to have it switch through names. You tell me when to stop. Okay. Uh, stop. Okay. Excellent. And then not—not not just the fact that you told me to stop, but also that's the first word. Excellent. Okay. And now we're <laughs> yes, going to go with the please. second one. What's the second one? Tell me when to stop. Okay. 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 And stop. Oh, oh my gosh, this is so good. Excellent ballerina. <laughs> it is so great. It works because, you know, he's got the uh, he's got the slip on and, yeah. you know, the bunny ears. I, that
0: doesn't make any sense, but he's cool. <laughs> I like him. And maybe if you're really, like, incredible at Brawler, it will be one of those, you know, names where it's like, oh, I can beat this character. And like, actually, you can't, you know, if you get really it's, good. It's excellent, excellent ballerina. My favorite among all of,
1: all of my characters is the golden kitten. Yeah. And, and you've got to watch out for him. Great character, for sure. So uh, let's get back to the interview. We will unpause Jared, who's staying right now in <laughs> stasis, and we'll get right back into the interview. It, you know, it's it's amazing. I played the game when it first came out, and I got so into it that I actually went to the Lego store in, in my in my nearby mall mm-hmm. and went to that little kiosk of minifigure parts and spent probably, not probably, definitely way too long trying to build my minifigure from the game <laughs> yeah, <that's great. laughs> to the point that I think there were several people uh, who worked there who were kind of hovering around saying, can we help you <laughs> with something? Is that, was that something you expected to see happen? And, and have you heard of people doing that, like wanting to sort of find the real-life version of their minifigure that they play in the game?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's actually really awesome. You know, what, what it reminds me of is something that's obviously just t- totally unique to working on a Lego title. You know, you're kicking off a game. A normal process for us would be uh, you're gonna build a power up, so let's draw like a concept sketch. And then once that concept art looks good, well, then we'll go into some geometry and and some texturing. Kind of like goes through this like natural process of from an idea to an asset that's a playable thing that's actually in the game. Well, what's what's crazy unique about working on something Lego is that it's like, well, all of the stuff has to be to scale, built out of real bricks. So all of a sudden my colleague who's normally drawing a concept sketch is downloading, you know, studio and he's actually building his concepts out of bricks, which is right, right. like awesome. You know, like no one complained about this, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're all having a great time. And we just had so we had so much fun. It was, it was a little daunting because you don't kind of become a, a master builder, so to speak, you know, overnight. And we're gonna have to submit these builds to um, the Lego Group for review. But just the creativity that came out of it was amazing. And and uh, I think a highlight for me was uh, I went to went to one of our artists uh, named Ron. He's been working at our studio for a long time. He's just, he's just a real, he's an amazing uh, illustrator and, and animator and uh, not too bad with some bricks as it would turn out. And I, I go to Ron and I'm like, you know, I have this idea. We have power-ups where, you know, it's kind of just like a, something that shoots projectiles, something that you hold, and then we have vehicles that you drive. But I need something in between. I'm like, I want something that it's kind of like a backpack that you wear. And it still shoots projectiles, but it provides some sort of armor to the minifig, you know? So it's like, it's like, in be, like you still run and jump like a normal character, but, but you're clearly wearing this backpack, which it's like in between a gun, for lack of a better word, and a, and a vehicle. And Ron comes back in a couple hours and he's built this hot dog stand that's in the game <laughs> right. that has, you know, like, it's like, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, I would I would love it if I saw a vendor doing this. I would definitely buy a hot dog, but he's got kind of like the grill attached to the back and then like this little canopy thing with like a little hot dog brick on top. And then it, sh- it would shoot ketchup and mustard as its projectile. Yeah. And uh, like that was not prompted at all. Like I didn't tell him I need a hot dog themed thing. I told <laughs> right. him I need something that would pr- provide armor to a minifig. Yeah.
1: You know? <laughs> of course, your your brain goes to hot dog when you hear armor. That's.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So so he comes back with that, and it's just like I mean, I sent it over to, to some of our partners at the Lego Group, and they just loved it right away. And again, I think that that, that kind of speaks to how when. The Lego Group kind of like really stands by their own values and lets us just take the bricks and find the fun. You end up with something that you never could have planned out right. on paper. But okay, it's so like a little sidetrack there. But mm-hmm. the at the time that we were building those, started to make those builds when our friends from the Lego Group would would fly out to Salt Lake City and visit us. They would bring us the builds, you know, because like it would be hard for us to find the all the exact bricks, you know, because like in Stud.io, you can just grab like any brick that exists. Oh right. But they would they would do the work, and I just like love the idea that they're over there in Denmark, like building, you know, our power ups you know, out of bricks. <laughs> right. And they would bring it, and they'd come and and set them on the table, and we'd look at them and be like, look like that's our game right there. That's so cool. And so it's definitely something that we talked about that we're like, how cool is that that people could get a favorite power up and create a brawler that they're really proud of. And that technically, it's a little bit tricky because you got to find all those bricks. But they could actually build that out of bricks, and so we we try to make sure that all of our power up builds are are viable. And and when we send some of the builds over to the Lego group, it's it's awesome when they kind of come back and they'll be like, "Hey, we have some feedback on this like snake car. You know, if you add like a piece like this, it will you know improve like the structural integrity of the car." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so be so, so cool. like yeah. obviously, doesn't matter for like the video game. It's like yeah, it's like whatever, but. But like it, like we want it to be authentic. We want it to be real. Yeah. You know, and uh, I'm not going to make any promises. Some of our builds might be a little bit brittle if you actually do them out there. But um, uh, it is something that we're that we really proud of. So, so I like that story that you did that, and it is something that we thought about. And we would love to add a feature at some point where, as I'm browsing all of the power ups in the game, I could view build instructions and and set lists, uh, you know, pieces lists, um, and maybe print those out and and uh, and build them for myself. I think it's a really neat idea, uh, and hopefully, maybe that's something you guys can do. Hmm.
1: What I like is I so I, I played this a lot, uh, stopped playing it for a while. Recently, I went back to go play it some more, and I noticed that Lego Brawls is all over the place on the Apple Arcade page and on iOS. Like, it, it gets a lot of promotion. It, it, well, like, what do you think is driving that? And and, and I'm curious how well is the game doing? It, it strikes me that it must be doing really well to get that much promotion.
2: It, it's done really well on the arcade while we don't have kind of like exact you know stats of you, you know how we rank against the other titles right. uh, we've been in that kind of like they have like a, a top games on the arcade like list that you can always see on the arcade page and brawls has never not been in that list you know uh, in the almost two years or I guess I guess year and a half since launch and so we're really proud of that you know um, so we you know we we think that we're always in that kind of like top 10 percentile of titles on there and it's done really well. And so I think that we just kind of ended up with something that strikes the right chords, I think, for the arcade audience, lines up with what Apple's looking for and what Lego's looking for and it's just been it's just been a great tentpole title for the, uh, for the platform. So I, I noticed one of the other
1: things I couldn't help but notice is the massive sort of robust support that you all have have been giving the game. Uh, you're tapping into things like Hidden Side and Jurassic World. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what what is sort of the process that happens when you're trying to decide how to continue to support the game? And you know, I'm just curious, what is it that you're hoping to achieve with this sort of robust
2: support? Yeah, I think it's maybe one of the differentiators for us on the arcade. If you look at some of the other titles, they tend to be kind of like. Stories that kind of begin and end, you know, and you kind of play through them one time, maybe two times, you know, but then then it's kind of cool. Great, there's 200 other titles, you know, (laughs) on the platform. So it's like time for me to move on. Where our model is a little bit, I think, more traditional console model where we're trying to build an evergreen title like Smash Bros. We knew the title had a lot of potential and we were really happy when we found the right home for it on the arcade. But it's really just been something where after launch, we just kind of look at the game, look how it's doing, and then say, "Okay, well, how can we make this better?" Which is also a very Lego Group mentality. Um, I believe their their motto is, "Even the best uh, isn't good enough," or, yeah, <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Only and only the it, best. Only the best. Yeah, it depends on how you interpret it. But yeah, uh, only the best is good enough, which means it's like even even when you achieve the best, there's always a better best. You know, it's like it's like yeah. how can we like make it even better? And so it was successful at launch. We did make some important changes at the beginning. We launched with only three levels, which was really you know, minimum viable, in in my opinion. So we always knew that we wanted to add more. But it's just something that's organic, that as we get feedback from fans, as we watch how the game's performing, as we play the game ourselves, we talk with our partners at the LEGO Group, we just kind of say, you know, what would make this even better? And we just kind of head in that direction. Um, And it's ended up being a cadence where we try to have... You know, a meaningful update every month or so. You know, the depth of the game that we have for a new player who's just discovering brawls for the first time, they kind of like jump in like, wow, like look at all this, look at all this great stuff. You know, there's all these different levels and Jurassic World, like love that, you know, different like cycling seasons and things for them to unlock. And so that's that's really kind of like our goal is that just like the more that we expand the game, the the deeper the experience becomes and and new fans of brawls are even better off than the people who caught the game at launch.
1: So the Ninjago update um, looks like it is a little more robust than previous updates. It has things like Mm -hmm. uh, solid gold versions of Ninjago heroes, and you've got a new level Mm -hmm. and emotes, and it it all seems to be tied to the 10 year anniversary of Ninjago. Uh, Can you walk me through how that update came about and, and how was it designed?
2: Yeah, yeah. So we had started a process where we, when the game launched, we didn't have the concept of of seasons. And so, what we were doing is we were going back through all of our existing levels that we had built at that point and kind of creating season content to match that level. Um, we find a bunch of uh, castle content, and we build a, a season of of things for for people to unlock. And we knew that Ninjago would be big even without the anniversary. Um, it's just such a such a huge uh, brand within the Lego toys. And it just so happened that we'd been saving Ninjago because it's awesome that when it kind of came time to lock down on that particular level that our, our friends at the Lego group, were, you know were releasing all these 10 year anniversary toys. And they started to show us some of these toys, which are just like blown away with the, the gold minifigs is kind of just like all you gotta say, you know right, um, right. <laughs> It's like it's like the ultimate uh, very, a very Nintendo style kind of uh, unlock. And that, that's something that we want to do more of in Brawls, and we were, uh, we were excited to, to start with, uh, with Ninjago. It's awesome that the toys on shelves and what's coming out in the game are the same thing. A kid can be playing Brawls this month and be like, I just unlocked the minifig that came in the set that I just got right, for my right, birthday, yeah. or, or whatever, you know? And it's like the same thing. And we love, again, we wanted that Smash Bros-style batch of content where it's the mashup of everything it's almost the history of lego in a game where you can build anything and just go brawl and so you have the the old ip and then not only the newer ip like ninjago but also the ninjago content that just hit shelves this month and it makes it something that's that's both historic but also very current and we're hoping to do more of that in the future so I'm curious with
1: uh, Jurassic world, uh, I, I was actually really surprised to see that in the game just because I know you know there has to be multiple uh, IP rights that you have to juggle. But th- the second thought I had was, man, wouldn't it be great if you added things like you know Lego Star Wars or Lego Marvel or Lego Indiana Jones? So I'm just curious, is that something you're starting to look at and, and how likely is something like that uh, to come you know, to having it come to brawls?
2: Yeah, we were we were super excited to um, do that deal with Universal, uh, another great group over there, and Jurassic World ended up being like the perfect fit, right? Like the uh, the, when you take control of the T Rex on the Jurassic World level, it's kind of like one of the most iconic moments, you know, in Brawls, and you can you can even run that T Rex into uh, a bathroom if you remember when the lawyer gets like eaten, yeah, uh, the T Rex (laughs) masses. We tried to like recreate that that moment. That's that's so fun. That's so cool to kind of appeal again to Jurassic Park is another one of those brands that it's like it appeals to the parents and it appeals to the kids because of the new films that have come out. And so you're kind of like bridging these these generational gaps. Um, you know, some of those brands that you mentioned might be a little bit more difficult uh, to, to implement than others. Um, but we we feel really confident that uh, the brands that we're able to get in will be, you know, rewarding and and. Hopefully, surprising maybe to fans uh, in a way, but that also, if it just so happens that you're a true fan of that IP, that you can be like, ah, that's like, that's a cool, like, cool way that they fit that in the way the power ups work, the way the level looks, and things like that. It feels Jurassic World, but it also feels Lego. And then hopefully, it also feels Brawls, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Um, So, Builder's Journey uh, is another. Lego video mm-hmm. game that came to Apple Arcade and has been very successful. Um but they recently announced that they are now going to be making the leap to other platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and boy, would I love to play brawls on something like the switch? I'm just curious, is that something you're you're looking at or what what are the plans for perhaps going beyond Apple Arcade?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's such an interesting time uh, to be working in video games. Uh, you know, really wasn't too many years ago where there was this strong division between you know mobile games weren't were almost kind of not even considered real games you know and and then you had console was like that's the real deal you know and PC of course and the whole VR thing we won't talk about but um everything's moving in a direction now where titles are platform agnostic um, right. you'll just see a lot of the big brands going in in that direction where you don't you don't think about it like that anymore of like oh is that a mobile game or a console game it's just an awesome game and and it's on every platform where it makes sense and so we're really excited about that uh builder's journey isn't the first arcade title to be available on multiple platforms and i think that that speaks to the quality of games that are on the arcade platform that they can live on console as well as on the arcade you know we'll be we'll be excited to see what happens with brawls but i I think that they'll they'll definitely be some exciting news real soon
1: Ethan, you were in the area doing some documentary work and visiting family when we decided to dig into this week's topic.
0: Yeah, it's really cool how the stars aligned on this. Yeah. You know, I, I was in Salt Lake City with a production company, you know, working on a documentary series, mm-hmm. and my parents live about an hour away. So, it was it was really convenient and nice to, you know, combine the two. And as you and I were putting the episode together, of course, I knew Red Games was based in Salt Lake City. Right, right. So, I reached out to them. And even more surprising was the fact that an acquaintance of mine, Jenny Ray Reynolds, turned out to be one of the producers working on Lego brawls. Oh, right. uh, but I'll tell you what, Brian, the, to actually go and do a field recording on site for Bits and Bricks was just so refreshing. Of course, you know, right. taking all the right COVID precautions, right. you know, yeah. making sure we had masks on, social distancing, all that stuff. But yeah, it, it was just fun to be in this kind of live environment on tour. And And so here's me on tour at Red Games Co. in downtown Salt Lake City. Hey, Jenna Hey. Nice to see you. Nice to see it's you, too. It's been a long time, so it I'm has. glad that we get to meet up here in this really cool space.
3: Yeah, it is pretty cool. So this is, uh, this is Red Games, Red yeah. Games Co., yes. um, our offices. Uh, it's a big, kind of open, area, a little yeah. industrial. Yeah, like a big um, loft. You know, you got some exposed kind of concrete pillars and stuff. Very cool.
0: The first thing you see when you come in is, well, I would say first, you see that Champion Street Fighter 2 edition. Right. Old arcade yeah. style.
3: Old arcade cabinet and a ping pong table, which is, I think, a staple of Yes, of all games companies. I That's don't know. right.
0: Yes. You have to start <laughs> with it. And then the first thing you see is like a nice little Lego model. And then yeah. you come over here and see sets.
3: Correct, yes. So we do have a lot of LEGO sets around the office because you know we think it's important for the people working on the game to be immersed in the sets and how the bricks look and how the minifigs look and sort of how things all fit together, right? Because our our artists basically create um, bricked exact versions of builds for the game.
0: I'm sure the LEGO group wouldn't want it any other way, right? It needs to be... Correct.
3: It has to be authentic. There's a thing that's like, if it's If that's not how the brick works or how it looks, like, it can't be that way in the game. They have to hold swords and shields and melee weapons like the way that a normal, an actual minifig would hold those things. That's awesome. And then we actually over here um, have like a whole Ninjago city set up with like all these lights and things. These little lantern pieces with Mm -hmm. this, the strand and these banners. We actually used these pieces in the, the Ninjago 10 year anniversary when we redid the level. Our artists like took these little banners and then put the the gold Ninjago 10 year emblem on those white flags. So, you know, we have like digital versions of of a lot of these sets and we kind of will pull like little pieces for just decorating. Um, You know, we take a lot of inspiration from the actual sets. So, yeah.
0: So cool. And then you've got this cool like, conference room area, which yes. has the typical huge whiteboard wall with all the secrets I'm not supposed to know.
3: Yeah, so this is our, uh, this is our conference room where a lot of brainstorming happens. The entire wall is a whiteboard. The whole table is a whiteboard. Everything in here is a whiteboard, pretty much.
0: And I look at this wall and you've got Ninjago Prime. You've got all kinds of different things. I'm not gonna call them all out, but yeah. it's really exciting to see. You've got minifigures and all the you know, accessories that go with it. It's pretty cool. And I'm assuming these are...
3: These are like remnants of past um, releases and milestones that were done. So I'm the second producer on Brawls. There was a a producer, she still works here, named Tasha, who was the original producer that worked on Brawls like through development and launch and then like post-launch. So this is just sort of them planning out different features for the game. So there is a single player progression in the game currently where players can basically master these champion characters and they have, you know, their own loadouts and their own special emotes and weapons so you can mix and match and customize your characters to play or you can just play as Super Wrestler or as the Heroic Knight or as Intergalactic Girl. So this is like where they were planning out some of those champion archetypes for the, the the first launch of the game.
0: The other thing that is very nice to see, and this the LEGO group has this too, whenever you go into a conference room, is this. Yeah. <laughs> Tons of LEGO bricks. Yep,
3: exactly. Yeah, we have those all around and there's actually a couple over there too.
0: So this is nice, too. You've got the uh, release and a calendar, which, of course, is very game development. And I could just see, like, the product management, you know, writing these all down, and you can see the developers sitting here going like, oh, man, Getting mad at
3: you for putting too much stuff in one week. Yeah, that's how it
0: goes. And nothing's more awesome than putting the lock sign next to a date, date? right?
3: Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So we're this is our next um release sprint that we're gonna be planning. It's
0: funny because I came at a day where it's kind of convenient for me here, <laughs> not convenient because there's so much going on, right? It's Yeah, game it doesn't
3: it really doesn't stop. Like there's always something. You know, I mean even if you're you're pre-launch, right? And you have you know, the more traditional product release cycle of like alpha, beta vertical slice all of that stuff like you still are constantly having to like deliver on those milestones but it gets even more chaotic when you're in a game that's live and people are playing and you're like constantly having to update content for players um, yeah. there's always bugs
0: yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> well you it's know, also but... one of those things
0: where it's like you you develop and you're always developing thinking like okay we'll be we'll be good we'll deliver that'll be done mm-hmm. then we'll take a little time and breathe
3: no there's no breathing time what are you talking about I know. <laughs>
0: It's so brutal, it's so brutal, and yet, when it's all working, it's very satisfying.
3: Yeah, I mean, like basically, by the time we are submitting a release, which actually today is a submission day, so we have a we have a submission that we have to get out, um, you're like, all right, so we submitted that. Uh, that'll go live in three weeks. and uh, but like we're like well into the next thing by the time it goes live. And, you know, sometimes you kind of keep tabs on, like, Twitter or Discord or, like, where players are talking and interacting just to kind of see how they're reacting, right? Like, we have data that we look at. But, yeah, there's not a lot of time to be like, that was a great release, you know, and, like, congratulate ourselves. We're just like, all right, what's the next thing? And you're immediately, like, off on the next thing, so.
0: Look at all these minifigs.
3: Uh, Most of these are from the minifig series. Yeah. um, Which was a huge... I think a huge win for the game that we were able to use the minifig series because it added so many characters and pieces and so much more customizability. Is that a word? Yeah.
0: I think so. And we had an, a whole episode with Tara Wyke on Minifigs and it was fascinating.
3: You know? I know. I It was funny. I When I was listening to that, um, she was talking about, she's like, there's well, there's a couple games that are coming out that like were really celebrations of the minifigs, and I was like, please say brawls, please say brawls. And then you guys were like, brawls? And she was like, that's the one. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I remember that. I remember yeah. that. I think that was Brian who's like asking about that. That was great. Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. So like some of these, you, you know, like if players were here looking at this, they would recognize these from the game. Like we have the classic king and the classic queen minifig. And they're actually the mascots of our castle level. So you play for team queen or team king. Right. You know, this uh, the Mummy Queen here is one of our champions. Um, Corn Cob Guy <laughs> was released in a recent uh, Minifig of the Week. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, I love that guy <laughs> uh,
3: for Western season. So yeah, like, like these are all recognizable things that you can collect and customize in the game, which is which is fun.
0: It's very cool. It's cool to see them all in Minifig format, and it, it does remind you again that the game is based on. Lego minifigs and Lego experience, you know, Lego DNA. It's all mm-hmm. over the place. And then you see them here and you've got your Lego bricks.
3: The best sound.
0: Well, cool. Thanks for the tour. This yeah, was really sure fun may. and what a cool space and just um, a cool vibe. And yes, I imagine when it's popping with with employees and people, when it's in normal operation, it's going to be we'll have to quiet them down. Psh, guys,
3: yeah. guys. Hey, whoa, we're recording. Whoa, a podcast whoa, whoa, whoa. over here.
0: So. Here we are. Exactly. Thank you so much for that little tour.
3: Yeah, thank you.
0: So Brian, after my uh, tour with Jenerey, mm-hmm. uh, I had a chance to also meet with uh, Jared Croft, the executive creative director. Yeah. This time in person, which was ah, man, such a nice diversion from our usual remote sessions and and Jared also walked me a little bit through Red Games Co. and and kind of tucked away in the corner. There's this yeah. one-to-one replica of the motto of the LEGO Group, you know, uh, only the best is good enough. And uh, it was actually made by one of the creative directors there, Adam uh out of wood and it was done really well and, and impressive and and jared said that it was something that the lego group uh, also really responded to when when they came and visited the studio right. but it was just so great to sit down with jared in his office and also talk you know face to face to ask a few more additional questions about the history of red games and how their studio evolved What sort of games does Red Games focus on? Mm -hmm. If you had to explain the kind of games you work on, I mean, uh, what what would you say about the Red Games kind of library and what, what do you guys
2: focus on? So early on, the emphasis was on innovative uses of technology or unexpected uses of technology. And so the first app that we made was called Pet Peeves Monsters and it was a pet growing app. But the original idea was that you could only battle someone who you could actually see in the real world. It started out with this thing where it's like we would actually hold our phones up to each other and it would use the camera to like recognize like the peeve. And like it's almost like the, uh, the Japanese, the beta fish, like when they see each other, they kind of like freak out, you know? Like that was the idea that it's a, that's why they're called pet peeves, is because they, when they see each other, they like get all riled up into this battle mode. And it ended up turning into this like tabletop thing where you would play, if four of us all had pet peeves, we would put our devices, I don't know where this idea came from, we would put our four devices on the table next to each other and it would form one kind of like jumbotron screen and then they would kind of like run across, like my peeve would end up on your screen but the battle might like spill back over onto my screen. And it's kind of this like really just like, weird idea but we loved the the social aspect of it that we could be sitting around a table at lunch and we're using these devices that we have in our pockets already but in like this weird way that we never thought of before and we really 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 loved that idea and so when you start to see things like pokemon go and stuff that took augmented reality and geolocation things that existed and people were familiar with but you put them together in a way that's interesting and suddenly you, you know you have something that feels really novel and exciting and it feels kind of like magical to, to people that they're like you know like how, how does this work and I don't really know but it's just fun so that that's been a big part of it and I, that's still a big part of what we do we're always looking for that that fun little twist um what do you think makes a game a
0: red games game like it takes a while to develop of voice, I think, as a gaming studio, mm-hmm. and to like identify, like, wait, what do we do? Who are we? How mm-hmm. do our things look? You know, after you get through, like, what our logo should look like, and mm-hmm. g- geek out about that, there's kind of a point where you have to go, like, no, seriously, like, what's your voice? Who are you?
2: Right, right. It's interesting. Um, I, I think a lot of it has to do with actually having smaller teams. Um, we end up where games have a little bit more of a handcrafted kind of feel, where every team member was so passionate and invested in that project um, and in the product as a whole that it just kind of shows in all of the details from the UX and the UI and the game screens down to the core gameplay itself. You just kind of like see that that love that went into making the product. Um, Where sometimes when things scale really, really large and you have really talented people but only focusing on this micro section of the game, it's harder for... All of those things to line up and obviously some large studios do it very very well and you have these Fortnite type situations where who knows why it kind of came out so great but it just it, it resonates but i think i think that handcrafted uh kind of fine uh, attention to detail and, and really fun kind of like characters i think that's a red game and then i also think Lighthearted is a big part of it. We tend to do really well with kind of like nine to 11 year old demographics because, like, they want something cool, they want something competitive. But like they still just like to laugh, you know, and like like if it's funny and you kind of like check all those boxes, then you, you have a hit. And that's something that we kind of enjoy too. We're kind of old kids, I guess, in, in some ways.
0: That's good. That leads right into my question about your relationship with the Lego group. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, that target demographic of like 10 to 11-year-old kids mm-hmm. um, is a special age, I think, also for the uh, for the Lego group because mm-hmm. – um, you're coming out of maybe all your experiences building with with you know Lego sets as a kid, mm-hmm. but you're also maybe right before that dark age cutoff that's going to happen when mm-hmm. you turn teenager and start doing other things, you know. Mm-hmm. And so you've got this unique thing where you have a maturity in a kid mm-hmm. who enjoys and appreciates and might recognize that humor, but also um, just just such a cool age, mm-hmm. adventurous, exploratory, willing to do everything, full of energy. Uh, Want to just play, kind of thing. Talk to me a little bit about the relationship with uh, the Lego Group, how that started, and um, maybe how that was a good fit, perfect fit in kind of where you were and where you wanted to go. You know?
2: Yeah, yeah. It really is. It really is kind of a a, a perfect fit. Um, I don't know. I might botch this, but there's there's a quote <laughs> from George Lucas where someone asked him like, who he thinks the target audience for Star Wars is, and he he says it's for kids or like young teenagers basically it's similar to what you were just saying that it's like they're on the verge of basically deciding if they're going to be a good person or a bad person (laughs) like that's kind of what star wars is about it's like hey you can you got a choice man like you can go down whichever path you want and i think that we play in a space kind of just just before that it's like all right they're going to have to make this big decision but but they're still kind of out there and just discovering stuff and having fun and laughing and having a good time. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting what you're saying. I think that Lego kind of plays there as well. Um, we talked to uh, you know the awesome people at the Lego Group a lot about the history of their product and how they integrated conflict and things like that. You know, in kind of like the right way, and it it can be a fine line. And we really believe in that because we want our games to be family friendly, but we also want them to be competitive. Like and and sometimes that takes the form of of combat in a video game. But you can keep that within a space that doesn't have to be overtly, you know, violent or have, you know, uh, no respect for human life and, and things like that. You know, you can still tell a fun story that has conflict. And if you look at you know the the Lego films and the products and the way that they take sometimes maybe films that are a little bit more dark, but they they get them into their product and they still embrace it and make a true version of that film, but that plays safe and and is maybe more appropriate for that that younger age. Something that I just really really uh, respect um, about their group and it really it really lined up with with the types of stories that we wanted to tell as well.
1: So, Ethan, um, as an excuse, I I re-downloaded Lego Brawls, which I loved when it launched, but I hadn't played it for a while, and thought to myself, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna just go in and see what it looks like, you know, play." play a match or two, like two hours later, I'm like, oh, I've got to go write my script. (laughs) Two hours
0: later. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes, That's hilarious. Yeah, no, and everything that I heard there and just all the excitement and some of the things I didn't know, um, I'm super excited to jump into the game. So I would also uh, encourage anyone to Take a little gander in Lego Brawls because, um, yeah, once you start, you cannot stop. I believe, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun to play with friends and sort of just run around and be a Lego minifig hooligan.
0: and Bricks is made possible by LEGO Games. Your hosts are Ethan Vincent and Brian Crescente. Producing by Dave Tech. Our executive producer is Ronnie Scherer. Creative direction and editing by Ethan Vincent. Writing by Brian Crescente. Mixing and sound design by Dan Carlisle. Music by Peter Premer. We'd like to thank our participants, Jared Croft and January Reynolds. We'd also like to thank the entire LEGO Games team for their support. For questions or comments, write us at bitsandbricks at lego.com. That's bits, the letter N, then bricks at lego.com. And as always, stay tuned for more episodes of Bits and Bricks.